Hey guys, so uh, it's Menachem Poznanski uh, over at the Consciously Podcast with my buddy and friend Chaim Cohn, who's our producer, and he's playing sound engineer today, and uh, and Shmaya Hanekman. It's true, I'm here. Shmaya Hanekman is the receptacle of all spiritual wisdom, and uh, he also uh, takes advantage of uh, the material and tries to get it into short form content. I thought it would be fun if we recorded some of this pre-gaming that we're doing because we we don't really none of us really have like specific experience with podcasting except for Chaim in the last year and um you know, we thought that we would be good at this and then we've been playing around with it for a couple months and um it wasn't as easy I think for me as I anticipated it would be. I thought it'd be much easier. No, the process has been uh, painstaking. Painstaking? Not painful. It's been painstaking. Right. It's it's required more effort than I thought, I think. For sure. Yeah. So um, so I thought it'd be really fun to kind of journal this stuff um, just for a few minutes. And then uh, and that way, maybe we would invite our listeners to into our world of insanity uh, before we get into our pretentious teaching of classes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's Hanukkah. It so, is. Uh, what did you learn? And then maybe we'll jump in. What did you What did you learn new about Hanukkah that you hadn't previously anticipated? Kind of thinking. It's actually very interesting. In the past, Hanukkah has always been one of two things for me, as far as what I've been learning and associating with. Um, and it was always either pulling things from the past to be relevant today. So like reflecting backwards on what the miracle of Hanukkah was and how that plays out in my life today, or it was associating with um, the future, the hope that might be in the future and trying to like pull some of that hope into the here and now. So it was always that, but I'm now I've learned things about Hanukkah very much like, no, 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 right now the light of Hanukkah is here, we light the candles now, and it's a reflection of, like, my God's light in the here and now. And so, uh, it's like an effort to be present. I heard someone say that, uh, that there's actually a commandment not to reflect backwards on the miracles of the past on Hanukkah, but to look at the current miracles in your life in the here and now. Hmm. And that is especially meaningful for me personally. Because, uh, yes, right. Specifically in the prayers around Hanukkah, we, we brought, we draw reflection to what happened in the past, but also bring it to the now, which is very, very different than a lot of the, that statement by is not a statement you find with any other holidays. I mean, aside for Purim, right? Which are the holidays of um, exile. Yes, all those, those holidays are episodes that occurred to the Jewish people in exile. That's very interesting. You know, I was thinking about this morning um, <laughs> how I was thinking about how Shmaya and I share an affinity for mythology like uh, Avengers and Star Wars, and you and Chaim share an affinity for... Nothing. Music. No, oh. music. You both appreciate music. <laughs> and, um, 
and Chaim and I have a, a certain uh, appreciation for existentially hating ourselves and basking in the glory of darkness, which Maya doesn't. Right. And so there's like this interesting triangle that emerges in our relationship. Because I don't have any affinity for. I mean, I like music, but it's not nothing like like right. you guys talk about sound, and I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Whatever, and we can get into Avengers, and Chaim's like totally uninterested. Right, and, the and second, me and Chaim can like the roll you guys around go in dark. The, <laughs> I'm out in I'm the out. mud of darkness and, and exile, and Shmaya's out. It's interesting. It is interesting. So what I learned about Hanukkah this year was uh, that we can think about things in an expansive way, and that even though maybe there's not a, a textual source for why we give kids presents, there's a really good reason why. My 13 year old son. In a conversation with Maya on WhatsApp, brought me to realize that the reason why we give gifts is because it's a great way to train people to be reminded to be grateful and about the abundance of life in spite of the darkness that surrounds us at times. And uh, we do that when it's darkest outside and uh, at the time of the year when it's darkest and it's cold and we really want to just retreat. I think it's a really nice thing. Beautiful. And then I was thinking about how that's like uh, across the board, at least in this country, it's kind of like just become a cultural reality where we, this is a time of gift giving. And that seems like a nice thing. It seems like a nice evolution of humanity. Should we jump in? <laughs> we, we can definitely jump in. I think we should jump into the podcast. I thought that was really nice. Uh, if you're listening to this because we posted it, I uh, hope you enjoyed. And um, we're now going to jump into... Conscious Contact episode four, and um, and uh, hopefully that'll be really meaningful. I'm going to share some ideas, and uh, Chaim and Shmaya are going to uh, be your representatives in terms of uh, encountering those ideas and giving the kind of feedback that comes in their conviction. And then we'll see how that plays out. We'll see what kind of conversation comes and. Hopefully it'll be meaningful for all of us. There's an airplane in the background, and we were worried about sound. It sounds nice, Distor- actually. Distortion. I think it makes it nice. It's not like Five Towns airplane. It's like <clears throat> Brooklyn airplane in the background. Brooklyn airplane, right? Like a small yeah. airplane that'll probably crash into a house at some point. Yeah, that's very nice. <laughs> so we've been talking about a relationship with our creator and being spiritual. But do we actually want that? Is a meaningful consciousness of my connectedness with our creator really something I want? It sounds exciting at times, but people who live with a consciousness of God or a sense of purposefulness in the universe live a certain way. They do things, make sacrifices. Even if I don't have to change my life to have God there, Some of my lifestyle will probably change if I actually think the creator is there with me. Do I want that? Am I actually willing to want to live spiritually? Okay, guys. So um, we've been having these conversations. These epic conversations. Epic. About um, conscious contact, right? Which is a term that we kind of established in the first episode a term that emerges out of 12-step recovery that refers to a vibrant and meaningful connection with our creator, with our God, as we understand God. Uh, Something that's real and experienced and lived. Um, And a journey that I took to to try to find that in my life, because I heard that those kind of terms and I desperately wanted spirituality. And I came across a particular text that 
in my view, even though it didn't lay it out that way, in my view, had laid out a real concrete plan for how a person could utilize both prayer and meditation, uh, simple meditation and also like ongoing mindfulness meditation to try to develop a sense of the presence um, of the creator within their consciousness, conscious context, and, um, and within their perspective in a way that doesn't demand that I totally alter my life and go live up on a mountain in Tibet or on a mountain in the north of Jerusalem in the city of Sfat, uh, that I could live in my current life as I am right now with the creator. Trying to focus in on, I'm not sure where we're going to pick this up, but we'll figure that out. Uh, we're focused in on developing the sense of conscious contact with our creator. And what we did was, we, we, is that we tried to demonstrate the fact that, <clears throat> we, we tried to demonstrate the fact that being that this method emerged out of Jewish, ancient Jewish sources, we could measure the method when the context of the method and the perspectives of the method based on defining things in the relationship to how they're defined within the ancient texts of Judaism. So you're, you're saying that because the practices that we are utilizing are coming from Jewish sources, we can then test that against what the Jewish sources say about having a relationship with God. Right. Because then we're just, we're defining terms in the, which in the, in the way in which they saw them. Right, right, right. We're using the context to go back to the source. Right. So we're trying to understand the words that they were using instead of understanding them from within our context, from their context. Right. So what is, what does it mean to be close to God? Which inherently is a shift in perspective because we're, we're uh, putting aside our perspective of what we think it means and going, since we're going to go back to the context of the source. Well, it's not, it's not so much that we have to shift our perspective, but that we have to try to look at it through their lens. Through their lens. Okay, right? fine. So, so if, if they've defined this idea of conscious contact as a primary and fundamental purpose and mission in a person's life, right? And, and, they def- and the way that they define that term, conscious contact, is closeness to God, closest to God. So then we looked at, like, what does closest to God mean? So we, we analyzed closest to God, and we kind of did this mostly last time. And what we saw was, was that in terms of like spatial closeness, like my proximity to God, um, I couldn't get closer to God if I tried, right? From their, in their definition of the terms close, right? And in their definitions of the word in terms of what God is, because in the ancient sources of Judaism, it describes God as being all encompassing. God's everywhere. He fills all of the space of reality. So God is closer to me than the clothes I'm wearing or the, the couch that I'm sitting on. Right. And then in addition to that, familiarly, right, if you look at the, the, the texts and the sources and the scripture, right, it describes God as having this all encompassing relationship where God is not just a father or a mother or a husband or a best friend or a brother or a sister. He's all of those things. God is described in all of those ways. Our creator is described in all those ways, meaning he's related to us in a multifaceted manner. So both in the context of like familial relationship closeness and in the context of physical closeness, right? Spatial closeness. Uh, God is already, we're already close to God, right? Couldn't get closer if we tried. Exactly. So, so then what is this process of conscious contact? So what we shifted the, the mindset to is actually working towards a consciousness of the contact that we have already, Right? So we're not trying to develop contact, we're trying to develop 
consciousness, to develop mindfulness, to develop our sense of awareness of the connection with our creator that we were gifted at existence, right? That we exist, that we were born into a reality, and that by dint of the fact that we exist gives us the right and the privilege of a relationship with our creator, a relationship with God. And the only thing that's blocking me from that connection and that relationship is whether I'm aware of it, whether I'm cognizant of the fact that the relationship is present, right? And what we talked about last time is that the consciousness, the ability for us to develop a consciousness of God in our lives or consciousness of our creator in our lives currently, part of that is the degree to which I can view my life, not just to view God, right? That's the first point was how I see God and how I see myself and how I see reality, but also how I see my life, like the the ways in which I behave, right? And we talked about last time how most of our lives are full of uh, multifaceted, multi-reasoned um, behaviors, right? We do things for a lot of different reasons with a lot of different motives. Lots of intention. Right. There's lots of intention, right? So, so we were talking about how I could utilize, in addition to the fact that I could utilize mindfulness and meditation to try to develop my sense of awareness of the fact that by my existence, I'm inherently connected to God. I could also use those mindfulness tools to try to develop a sense of focus on my motives that are actually good on the motives that are actually in line with my association of what my creator wants from me. So that's interesting. And I know that we're just recapping, but sometimes I feel like it's disingenuous to want to rely on what right now is a lesser motive, even though I have a a bigger motive and I'm like, no, 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 the real reason I did it or the reason I want to do it is for what's this lesser motive. But because we're in a stage of practicing, I should be like, oh, that's also one of my motives. I also want to be conscious of my contact with God. And so by practicing that, I'm going to make that motive grow. Yes. Or the awareness. It's not just about my motive to have a relationship with God. It's, it's more than that. Right. Because that would just be about like, okay, so realizing, I think what you're driving at is, um, realizing that ultimately the purpose of why I'm doing anything is to, is to draw a relationship with God. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is that if I want to make any progress at all in developing a sense of the presence of God in my life, then I have to be able to view my life as a vessel under which God can come. If I feel like I live all of my life or most of my life, if I associate most of my life as being separate from God, right? I have my motive. God has God's motive, right? The creator has the creation's motive. And, and if I'm looking at it from, let's say, like we talked about in the other episode that Chaim and I did, if I'm looking at things from a place of superstition, and scarcity and separation, then God is just a, a, a thing or a guy I'm trying to get to give me stuff, right? So now my life is very separated from God, then I can't really be living with a conscious awareness of God. So what I need to be doing is realizing the degree to which my life is a vessel for God's presence and how much of my life is a vessel for God's presence. Now, it's entirely possible Right. And that's not about generating connectedness. It's just about having an association that God is welcome into so much of my life. Right. Because if I associate so much of my life as not available for God to come, then God's not going to be there. I'm not going to have an association of my creator in my life because I don't deserve it. It's not there because there's no there's no it's not there because there's no vessel for it. Are you you saying that it's 
for the person to create or make themselves into that vessel or to come to an appreciation that they are inherently already that vessel? Well, it's, it's actually both. Right. Right. Cause what's something I, and maybe this is the direction you're headed in, but that for people who have somewhat of a conception of God, that is one in which they feel inherently unworthy, then they're always going to think, Oh, in order to be worthy, I have to do all these things, which are impossible. So there's no point of me even trying. Right. And then, and then what they do is, is that they, they, they ease God out of their lives. I'm saying so they, but I mean, we, I mean, Wait, right. We, right. We ease God out of our lives because we feel unworthy of God or the creator's presence because we feel like, like, okay, so I'll go to synagogue or I'll go to a house of worship or I'll go to a holy place or I'll go to a spiritual place. I'll go on a hike and I'll look at a, a sunset or a sunrise and there I can experience God. But when I'm busy, you know, supporting my family or paying my bills, that's not a godly thing. So we ease God out of our lives. And so the question question that now emerges, and Chaim kind of alluded to this in the opening, is, okay, so now what's next? And what's funny is, and this kind of emerges really interestingly in spiritual processes, and I think you guys are somewhat familiar with this, is that, that what next is, I need to cross the bridge of willingness, mm. right? I need to figure out if I'm actually willing to, to, to actually do this stuff. And the common mistake that many people make is skipping over the step of developing, of, of developing willingness and they kind of ignore a, a lack of willingness, a lack of, of alacrity to engage a process that they want to engage. And they kind of take their willingness for granted. It's like an alacrity is like a 15 point word. Okay. So their, their, their sense of motivation and conviction. Uh, okay. I don't know if those are, those are just 10 point words. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the question is, what's the work that we need to go through? What, what is willi- developing willingness looks like? So part of the challenges that emerge when I don't have a sense of willingness is that I gain a certain conviction. Let's say, like I gain a sense of conviction that I want a relationship with God and that, let's say, even if we go back to some of the the episodes that we did earlier, like I actually buy into the idea that my purpose of, of, of existing, my general purpose, my fundamental purpose of existing is to develop this sense of connection and to be a channel of God's light in the world. Let's say I have that. So then growth and change is not something I really have a choice about. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I have to do it. It's my purpose. It's my mission. It's my conviction. I believe that, right? Again, here, if you're coming from a more, the more detailed your conviction is, right? Like let's say somebody with a religious background has a very detailed conviction. The less religious you are, probably the less detailed it is. The more detail you have, the more burdensome it can feel and overwhelming it can feel because it feels like I have no choice. I have to do this stuff, right? But, and, but the problem is, is that it becomes burdensome and you, and people tend to start to, um, um, disengage, lose the lose the mo- momentum and resent. And resent. That was the word I was looking for. Yes, uh, they move the yes, all, all of those things. But they also start to resent, and the only tool they have to address their resistance, because they have not learned how to generate willingness, is try harder. Just try harder. Just try. I'm like, I'm really struggling. I don't want to. I'm feeling, and they just, just push harder. Just try harder. Right. And so that's one issue. The issue is that they have not developed their ability to re-engage, to, 
to jump back in, to say okay, to say yes, to become a yes type of person, right? So that's one of the challenges that emerges. One of the other challenges that emerges when you don't work on developing willingness is that all of us, we all have feelings that operate beneath the surface that impede our growth, right? A lot of times we have like cynical and pessimistic thoughts and those cynical and pessimistic thoughts are not trustworthy. They may be based on truth, but they often come from a sickly place. So the question that emerges is, what do I, what do, I do about that, right? How do I get around those thoughts, right? So I start to engage spirituality. Maybe I resent it. Maybe I feel, I, I feel lethargic or have developed a sense of ambivalence. But oftentimes, I, I start to encounter uh, cynical thoughts, pessimistic thoughts, right? Cynical thoughts being, I look at, for example like the lackings of others or the lackings of the system that I'm involved in. Or pessimistic thoughts might be that I lose hope in my ability ever to achieve what I want to achieve, right? And, and I can, those thoughts can really, really invade my mind and they really, they strip away all of my energy for accomplish any, accomplishing anything. So what we need to do is we need to work on uncovering, discovering, and discarding the internal resistances that make conscious that that hold us back from making the conscious choice to engage. That's ostensibly the idea. And that's an idea that I, that I, those words uncover, discover, discard is from a book, uh, uh, a new pair of glasses, right? Which is a, a remarkable book. And, and that's like a, a primer that he uses for how I engage challenges that come up, which is uncover what's going on inside of me, discover what's the context and the understand it, and then dis- discard it, right? So that I can move on to a new thing. And part of that begins, right? You talked about this, well, you know, first you have to develop willingness and then try harder. But actually the first exercise that I want to, I would encourage you to do is actually give yourself the opportunity to make the choice. And, you know, to realize I'm not trapped. It's my choice to make. Even if I'm choosing what's best for me, it's still my choice. We could stop right now. We could stop this podcast right now. If you're listening to the podcast, you could stop this podcast. You could never give God consciousness significant thought or even this line of thinking about God consciousness significant thought. Or you could like take a deep breath and take a moment to choose. Right. And I'll do this sometimes even within like a relationship perspective. Right. If my family is driving me nuts. Right. I'll even like do some kind of imagery where I go to the bank and I take out half the money from my savings account and I go to JFK airport and I get on the plane and I run away to whatever. Right. Wherever where half the money in my savings account could last me a while. Right. And I, I don't do that because I want to do that. But because I, I need to acknowledge to myself that there is a rea- there is a, there are alternatives, even though I don't like the consequences of those alternatives, I don't like the outcomes of those alternatives. And when I do that exercise, right, what that does for me is that now I'm I have a free willed opportunity to jump in to what I want. Oh wow! Well, I hate to keep coming back to this place, but I don't think it's limited to people who grew up with like rigid religious environments, but. Before there's willingness, like you're saying, there has to be choice. But even before that, if there's choice, there's got to be what am I choosing? And if the thing, if I believe that the thing I'm choosing is inherently uh, coming at me or I have to, like I'm not worthy if I don't meet a certain standard, then how am I expected to even find willingness within? Unless I'm somewhat like sadistic let me give you an example so 
I was talking. Oh, wow. Wait. So you're asking, you're saying that in order to even do this exercise, maybe there has to be a certain level of, um, like self-esteem. Sense of self in relation to any kind of being that's larger than me, whether you want to call it God or creator. Just to give it a short example, I was talking to a friend who over the years has completely, as he puts it, you know, disengaged from religion and does not believe in God and has developed a whole way of life around that. And he was talking to me and it's very often hour long discussions all the time. And at one point it was kind of repeating the same, going around the same circles. I said, I said, you cannot believe in God, but it sounds like you still believe God hates you. And then you're just going in circles. Okay. So actually that's a really good segue because I want to get into the other exercises. There's actually two very, very specific exercises. And I think that they address the point that you're talking about. Uh, and if they don't, then you'll tell me after. But I think it really does. So it, it actually really plays into what I was thinking about talking about. So what I was talking about was, to some degree, at some level, a person has to make a decision. Actually, this kind of relates. We talk often about the 12-step programs, the third step of the 12-step programs, where at some point, even though I haven't done any of the work, I haven't generated a real sense of relationship with God, I have not cleared away the wreckage of my past, but at some point, I have to make a decision to jump in. I have to make this decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand God, right? I have to jump in. I have to just say, okay, even if I'm scared of God or I think God hates me, right? So that's that was the first thing. But what I thought today was perhaps we could do just two exercises, and to some degree, I would want to invite invite you guys to kind of do these exercises along with me and kind of be cognizant of the feedback that you're receiving. And hopefully the listeners are also kind of cognizant of that and, and they can experience that in that way. Um, so is this an exercise they could do while driving or should they stop driving? No, I don't, I don't do think it it's, when they it's get there? nothing crazy intense. It's, it's really just, I mean, it might be meaningful to do more intensely, but I think you could, you know, it's just a, a thought exercise, right? So, so, the first exercise is to try to get rid of old ideas, right? We talked about earlier, and this gets into Chaim's friend, is that oftentimes beneath the surface are uh, old ideas that are present and even drive our life, right? They drive our life, they drive our lifestyle, they, they drive our choices, even though we don't necessarily agree with them, right? So in this context, like your friend, I keep on using the word context, it's driving me nuts. In this, in this story with your friend, your friend doesn't believe in God, but he still feels like God hates him, right? So the, the God hates him is an old idea that he wants to abandon, but he can't get rid of. So I might look at that and say, oh, see, really you believe in God and you're denying it, but it could be that he doesn't believe in God, right? It could be that in his from his mindset, there's not a God in the way that he did, but he's still burdened by this old sense of God hates him, right? So what does he do with that old idea? How can he get rid of that old idea? How can he strip away that old idea, right? So, so, um, so one of the things you can do is like, take a deep, take a deep breath for a minute and, and I'm going to make a couple statements and then think about, um, what, what, emer like what, what reaction do you have to that? Right? Like, I choose to live consciously connected to our creator. I choose to live consciously connected to our creator. Or to say directly to God, my creator, I state my truth. I want to live in conscious contact with you. Right? So let's say like, like Shmaya, if you were to say that to Chaim, look at Chaim and say, Chaim, I choose a life of conscious connection. Right? And then what I want you to observe is what comes up, what resistance comes to mind, 
right? What like really, really demonic negative, negative thought emerges when you start to think about that statement. And sometimes I'll do these exercises in front of a mirror that could be really useful. Just like I want a relationship with God. I deserve a relationship with God. I desire a conscious contact, right? Chaim, I choose a relationship with God. So what kind of thoughts came up in your head when you said that? So why do I do things that distance me from God? Hmm. Like you don't deserve that. Punishing myself. Who says the creator wants you? Right. Yeah. What, about, you... what about those shameful things you did? Right. So, so, the, so how do I get rid of those ideas? Cause those are, if you think about it, when we talk about generating willingness, those are the things that are going to block us off from making any real progress. Right. That's really what's going to be blocking us off from making progress. Cause every time I decide to jump in, every time I lean into the relationship, every time I lean in, let's say for your friend, every time he doesn't believe in God. And every time I, he I, I am in, my friend, you're <laughs> Stop saying every time. So what you're saying is, is I'm my friend. I'm not really my own friend. I hate myself, but I'm my friend. In terms of so, so Chaim really loves himself. I want to let the listeners know that Chaim actually cares about himself and he does the work that we do in this podcast because he really loves himself and don't let the facade of self-deprecation get in the way. Okay. So, so when I lean into my relationship with God, right. And this gets into like what we were talking about last week with living my life for the, for, for, for the, for the, for the, um, for the sake of heaven, living my life with God's intention in mind, trying to live my life according to my conviction. Right. So what happens in the areas of my life where my life doesn't meet that conviction? And what occurs is, is that old ideas are established in my brain, which say I'm not worthy I'm shameful. Who says the creator wants me? You don't deserve that. And how do I get rid of those old ideas? So the first question is, is like, are you okay abandoning those old ideas? And oftentimes we're not uh, willing to abandon those old ideas, right? Like your friend, right? He doesn't want to abandon the idea that God hates him because it's very useful. It's very useful. It's very comfortable, right? I often use the imagery of like a pool of feces that we're sitting and stewing in and we don't want to get out because it's warm, right? And it's just, it's, it would just be so cold outside if I got out and I complain to everyone around me that it stinks and I invite them to join me in my pool, right? And I'm wondering why no one wants to hang out with me in my pool, right? And it stinks and I complain, but yet I won't get out because it's cold outside, right? So those things are real just to validate that. But at the end of the day, I have to ask myself, am I willing to abandon those old ideas, right? So after I've, let's say, written down the idea that I agree with, I desire a conscious connection with my creator and, all right, I uncover, mm -hmm and discover the old idea that's blocking me. God hates you. He doesn't want to. You're shameful. You don't deserve it. You're full of crap, right? Now the question is, what would a new idea look like, mm -hmm. right? What would actually the new idea look like? And this is a remarkable exercise. And I learned this exercise from a 12-step speaker that I listened to. If I truly believe that I don't deserve good things, right, it's very different than if I feel that I don't deserve good things, right? I often feel like I don't deserve good things. So what do I do with those feelings? These kind of exercises are very useful, right? How do I abandon old ideas? Make a list of all the new ideas you'd like to develop. I don't deserve a relationship with my creator. I don't have to. It's for free. My creator embraces me as soon as I come back. I'm a good person, even though I have flaws, but I deserve contact 
with my creator. I have a deserve a relationship with my creator and then spend time reflecting on these fresh and new ideas. Maybe even saying a prayer, God help me to embrace these new ideas, right? Or speak to myself, do affirmations in the mirror. Those are all positive things. And those are ways of utilizing my thoughts to generate feelings inside of me that meet my convictions, right? I'm going to say that again, right? That's all ways of utilizing my thoughts to generate feelings that meet my convictions, right? Because sometimes I don't feel the way that I think. Can you say the third time, actually? You want me to say it again? Yes, I do. Utilizing my thoughts, my thought process to generate feelings, because my thoughts generate feelings within me so that my feelings meet my conviction about life. I know that I really deserve good, but I don't feel like I deserve good. So I'll stand in the mirror and say an affirmation. And when I say that affirmation, I'm not saying it because I'm trying to convince myself in my mind, in my brain, I'm trying to convince myself in my heart, so to speak, right? I'm trying to convince my emotional self that I deserve good things, that I'm worthy, right? And what happens is when you do those kind of things is that you'll, when you do affirmations, right? You'll feel something inside of you, right? You'll feel rupturing, ripping, right? Of your, of your emotional self will start to rip open, right? And what's happening is your, your spirit is healing. There's healing that's going on inside of you, right? And you're starting to incorporate, right? This is within Judaism. We talked about this in the second episode of right? Know today and engender within your heart that the challenge of spiritual work is to transfer from your thoughts, from what I agree with to what I feel. And I want my feelings to meet my ultimate convictions, right? So if I ultimately believe that I deserve a relationship with God, but I have these uh, persistent pessimistic and cynical thoughts about God, one of the exercises I can do is uncover, discover, and then discard them, right? I uncover and discover them by figuring out that they're there and how they don't meet my conviction. And I discard them by writing a new set of ideas that I want to incorporate into my life, right? So as we move on, there's really going to be three um, steps that we're going to take. Uh, we can utilize prayer to ask the creator to help us embrace these new ideas. We can hold off old ideas through mindfulness, right? Meaning be, uh, cognizant of when these cynical and pessimistic thoughts that emerge from a sickly place are coming up and be aware of them and say, okay, that's just an old idea, right? That doesn't get rid of the old idea, but at least acknowledge them and then verbalize ourselves, give ourselves permission to discard those old thoughts by replacing them with new thoughts, right? Those, that's ostensibly this exercise of, of, um, of getting rid of old ideas. Wow. The second exercise that I wanted to talk about in developing willingness, right? Because the whole idea here, just to kind of bring us back, is to develop willingness, So right? would you say just practically that that first exercise is a way to practice open-mindedness in order to bring us to a place of being able to practice willingness? Well, I think that what you're pointing out is that open-mindedness and willingness are directly interrelated. They're reliant upon one another. Because yes, those exercises were actually driven by a sense of open-mindedness, a sense of curiosity about what would come, a sense of a sense of, uh, of wonder, right? A sense of thinking out of the box that I previously thought in. What and, could my life be like if I didn't have these old ideas? Right, exactly. And that's part of that sense of generating willingness because willingness is, a. I have to be open-minded in order to be willing, right? I have to be open to something new. I have to be excited, right, for whatever is to come. Right. So, so that's this, the, the second exercise is utilizing prayer to develop willingness. Right. So what, what we want to do is we want to generate a fuller, more sustained willingness to act on our spiritual desires. Right. We want to develop this like deep sense and wellspring of willingness. And how do we do that? So the ancient texts tell us to pray. 
Now that seems odd because of the skeptical thought that comes out of the old ideas is like, I have to pray for willingness. So, so this is what you're saying. You're saying there's some creator, God, and you're expecting God to supply you the power to live your life. Right. But not only does he now need to supply you the power, he now needs to give you the willingness to utilize that power. Right. Not only is he charging the battery, he's supplying the battery as well. Right. You want him to press the button and to hold your arm while you're holding the flashlight, whatever the analogy is, right? It's, it seems unfair. It seems absurd. Right. And is that allowed? Is that even permitted? Is that reasonable? And the ancient wisdom says, yes, it is. And it's remarkable. And not only that, but they point out that the no that comes to mind, the no that says, no, you can't pray for willingness. You can't invite God in both to be the source of power and to be the generator of willingness actually comes from a place of cynicism and egotism. That's what? false. Right. Say that again. That, that the, 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 the voice within me that says that I cannot rely on God for, to, to generate willingness, God, my creator, right? And now for those of us who are more skeptical of religious teachings, the idea of talking about prayer is more complicated. I'll validate that. I don't think you need to come from a religious context or fully even believe in God to utilize prayer, but it's much more nuanced and subtle. And I'm not going to accommodate that all the way. I'm going to try to speak to that as much as possible, but we're speaking about prayer. Also, right? you can feel free to message us if you want to have a more in-depth conversation about yeah, how well, to do that. Thank you for saying that because Chaim and I and Shmai and I were talking and we were talking about how one of the motivations we had for this podcast was more than just creating this huge listenership because we don't really care. I mean, we care, but we don't like, it doesn't matter to us, the volume, but more the quality of the listenership. And we really would love to have an ongoing dialogue with whoever's listening to these, uh, these episodes and write in questions and we can address those questions and we'd even we hope to address those kind of things here on, on, on air, on air. Right. So, so, so what these ancient texts teach us is that the thoughts that tell me, the cynical thoughts that tell me that I can't ask God for help are coming from an ego, egotistical place. Now, why is it egotistical? It's egotistical because it, it, it assumes that the burden is on me and that I'm at fault. That if I fall short, it's because I'm not trying hard enough. I'm not serious mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. I don't actually care. So, so the question that emerges is, okay, so, so, okay, so let's meet you where you're at. Okay. 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 So you can pray for willingness. Why the heck would God do that? If there was a God, why would he allow you to both ask for the power and ask for help with willingness? So, so the ancient wisdom teaches us that we're, when we think about it in the context of like, okay, so God's going to give us the power, but he doesn't want to give us a willingness, right? The creator is going to give us power, but the creator is not going to give us willingness. It's, it's because I think I'm thinking in the context where the creator lacks something. And from the, and from the perspective of ancient wisdom, the creator lacks nothing, right? The creator didn't create the world because it lacked anything. The creator acts nothing. And the underlying purpose of prayer that the creator invites us to is to generate closeness. So therefore lacking within ourselves any lacking within ourselves, whether it's a lack of power or a lack of willingness, represents an opportunity to build relationship with that self-same creator who just wants a relationship with us. That's Whoa. unbelievable. And by admitting we need help and then asking for it, we're just developing yet more connectedness. Wouldn't... So obviously to suggest that I can't pray to that being that I'm trying to connect to for the willingness is to imply that as if those are two separate things or that my creator is limited and I, but assuming all that, that you said, 
there's still this valuable Jewish principle of all things are in the hands of heaven except for fear of heaven. Right. That the responsibility, the onus when it comes to that is on the individual, and that's an empowering thing. Yes. It means that it's not going to be done for me. I have to find it within. Yes, but what happens if all I can do is pray to be willing to be willing? Is that sufficient enough? And, the, and that, I think, is the answer to the question that you have, which is an excellent question. Well, what about personal responsibility? And the answer is you're personally responsible to the extent that you're able. And if I lack willingness, right, if I fundamentally lack willingness, what am I supposed to do? I don't have the willingness to do. I don't have the willingness. It's not coming from a place of, of, of uh, laziness. It's coming from a place of humility and honesty and truth. If it's coming from a place of laziness, I'm going to sit on the couch. I'm going to be the humans in Wally, right? right. My son was just watching Wally, and they're all like <laughs> floating around in the spaceship, right? They've, they're all their muscle mass has, has right evaporated, and we're just sitting in these couches, right? These lazy chairs floating around, and the the machines are taking care of everything for us, except the machines are God, right? So if that's my context for religion, like then then I agree with you, and I don't think that meets the standard of Judaism, right? in terms of the ancient texts of Judaism. And I wouldn't really want to jump into that because you're right. That's very, very disempowering. It's extremely disempowering. And I have choice to make, and I'm a a free willed human being. But the point is, is at some point I have to be able to look in the mirror, I think, and say, okay, but I do have limits. And if I'm in a space where I'm lacking willingness, right, I can't just decide to be willing. Try harder, as we said earlier, is only sufficient enough. I can run on try harder for a day or a week or a month, but I can't run a lifetime on try harder. It's just not going to go. Unless I learn how to generate willingness, I'm not going to be able to move forward. And sometimes generating willingness is turning to our creator, turning to the universe, turning to God and saying, God, I need your help here. I lack willingness. Please Mm -hmm. help me. I'm not coming from a place of lethargy. I'm coming from a place of humility, honestly, honesty and truth. Right. And that's really the, 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 the point of this whole thing is to do everything that is within my power to influence all the areas that I have influence over. Right. So I'm trying to uncover, discover and discard the blockages that live inside of me that block me from willingness. And I'm admitting the level of willingness that I lack and turning to God or the the creator of the universe as a source of support for that willingness. And And therefore, in that space, I can even be just willing to be willing to be willing. And that is willingness. Now, if you think about this, this is interesting, right? I just thought about this right now. This is remarkable. If I pray for willingness, that's actually being willing. Right. If I don't pray for willingness, I'm not practicing willingness. But but even if I don't have willingness, but I'm just willing to pray for willingness, I'm actually flexing my willingness muscle. I'm flexing my open-mindedness muscle, right? So I'm doing everything I can to try to engage the process. That's unbelievable. So, So what have we learned today, right? So we've learned that we're enough, that willingness to be willing is more than enough to make a beginning, that our choice to grow and develop spiritually is valued and embraced by the creator. That's what the ancient sources tell us, that we're invited to reach out and connect by asking for assistance, that the purpose of asking for assistance, the appointed purpose of inviting the creator in is to generate connectedness. So it doesn't even matter because the whole point is connectedness in the first place. Now, if we falter, there's no need to stress. What we can focus on doing, and this is the third step in the process, right, is identify, identify the blockages and pick up the tool of prayer and ask for strength to face those blockages, whether they're emotional or practical. Then we can ask for a renewed spirit 
vigor and motivation to move on. That's the context for it, right? So, and in doing so, we're trying to generate a sense of willingness, not in trying to leapfrog over our resistance or to blast through our resistance, but as a valid part of the process of developing conscious contact. And these three steps that we've been talking about are really applied to almost any spiritual process that a person's working on, right? If we go back into uh, the point, one is to is, is primary purpose, right? Primary purpose. I need to actually know what I'm doing. I need to know why I'm doing it. How important is it? What's the purpose of it? Then uh, 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 consciousness of connection, right? Understand the context of what I'm, I'm doing. In this, in, this, in this place, it was the realization that I'm not trying to change my life. I'm not trying to be closer. I'm trying to wake up to how close I am. And then the third step is actually generate willingness before I've actually done anything. We have not even taken one step towards building a better, more vibrant relationship with God yet. You could do everything that we've discussed so far while sitting on your couch. Right, exactly. We haven't even got off the couch, right? That's exactly the point. These are all conceptually within myself. Have I, have I, have I identified my primary purpose and developed my ability to constantly draw myself back to the forest and not get lost in the trees that, that I encounter, right? Have I, have I developed a consciousness of the connectedness, right? In this context, which, which in a broader sense is an awareness of exactly what it is I'm trying to do, right? I've, I've actually laid out a plan of what I'd like to accomplish. I have a vision of my goals, even in the self-development field, right? In, in, in all the self-development fields, all they talk about is that if you don't have a vision of your goals, you will never get there, right? If your goal is just to get away of the consequences of not having your goals, or your goal is just some kind of like fluffy, ambivalent, disconnected reality, you will never get there. That you have to have some vision. And oftentimes we never end up at the vision we, we previously associate. Sometimes it's different. Sometimes it's more than we ever could have imagined, but we need to have a dream to, to be driving at. And that's the second step of the process. And the third step of the process is an actual conviction and willingness to act. Right. And it's worthwhile to take the time to do that. Right. Because if I don't, then what happens is I engage the process, the next three steps that we're going to talk about. And I encounter resistance and then I retreat. And then what happens, and this is what happened to me, and it happens to me often, right, is that I jump into the process before I'm ready, and then I encounter resistance, and then it's like, oh, see, it's never gonna work out, right? Oh, see, spiritual growth is not real, right? Oh, see, it's not ecstasy, it's not amazing, it's not ecstatic, right? I'm just gonna go hide back in my hole, I'll jump back into the pool, I'll go stand under the cow, right, and whistle, right, because the poop is warm, right? And, and, or alternatively, I can do some of this prep work and take my relationship with my creator seriously. And then I have all the, the wherewithal and the resources necessary to engage and to have resiliency to face the challenges that come. Thanks for listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of The Living Room, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tsipora Basravaro. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky, and produced by Chaim Kohn, with editing by Eitan Korenblum, and our trusted assistant to the regional co-host, Shmaya Hanekman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. 
We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback and questions. So please feel free to email us at consciousness62 at gmail.com or on our Instagram and Facebook pages.